You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Isabel Rodriguez, and this is Token Theater Friends. Today, I'm here with... Ramitha Ravi. And you're currently performing in Bang In It, a brand new musical at the La Jolla Playhouse. How has it been? It's been awesome. Um, Yeah, we started working here in January. Um, It's now April and the show is closing in a few weeks. So it's been a really awesome long run. Um, My character in Bangin' It is, uh, her name is Shulpa and she is on a team called the Tigers. um, And I'm also dance captain of the show. There's been a lot of momentum that's followed the show in terms of press, in terms of events, and just coverage on social media that it's kind of been a whirlwind experience for us all. So I want to hear how you've been taking care of yourself and how you've been practicing your self-care amidst everything. I love self-care. I don't do it. That's why. Um, (laughs) So yes, it's been definitely a whirlwind process. We, like I said, we started in January and, but firstly, I think stepping into this, into this space in theater, um, after a pandemic, I remember, um, doing the workshop in October and it was the first time I had come back to theater after like this two year hiatus, but also reckoning with like what theater is and who belongs in theater and who theater was created for. Um, and it was just really surreal. I honestly, I think during the pandemic, I was like, you know what? I don't know that theater is for me. I don't know that that's like where I feel like I want my career to head. And I'm a dancer primarily. So, you know, I do a lot of commercial dance. I do a lot of um, work in different spaces. So it was just wild to come back to theater and work with this group of, of people who I've never felt more connected to. Like I've never worked with so many people of color or South Asian people, period. There were people in the room, especially like when we first walked in in October that I was like, oh my gosh, like we've known each other for five years, have never gotten to work with each other. And it was just such a, it was such a powerful experience to be able to work together. But yeah, that being said, it's been because the show is about identity and it's about culture and it's about what what our community looks like in in this country um it has been really emotionally draining it's been very personal for a lot of people um because everyone's character is quite close to our identities um so in terms of self-care i've just been journaling i've been trying to write down um what my experience has been here but also the emotions that come up as we're talking about the story um around you know uh, 
being South Asian in the industry, being a person of color in the industry, being a dancer in this space. Um, I've just been trying to like write down and articulate my thoughts so that I can go back and look at them and also in a more polished way, like share them with people um, rather than like just giving them half-baked thoughts. So Mm -hmm. journaling has helped um, and also stepping outside of uh, this space and in the in the extra time that I have, you know, focusing on the things that I loved even before coming into this space. I have I have a business and I have a um, I work side jobs that I really enjoy, and so um, just having that in addition has like leveled me out and just kept everything nice and calm. I think this is a great time to talk about summary, but it'd be better explained if you tell us what the story of being in it is just through the dancing alone. Oh, what are we about to see when we sit down and and watch all of these dance numbers? Yeah, I think what's so interesting about this show is, like I said, I have never in my career worked with this many South Asian people <laughs> ever in my life. Like I'm usually the one. I grew up being the one person of color in in like my dance community in. Pittsburgh and I grew up if you've watched Dance Moms that's like where I grew up so literally that's literally you know Abby Lee (laughs) yes yeah she I almost went to her studio a lot of my best friends like were on the show and like um yeah it's it's very funny I I write that because that's the only way people know like what I went through as a child um but anyway um this is the first time I've gotten to work with other South Asians and I think it's because in theater, this is like one of the first stories that has had even like a South Asian like cultural element or identity element to it in in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, everything about it is like pretty monumental. So you, we start and um, you see a big Bhangra number that is eight minutes long with like scenes and songs um, interspersed within it. And thinking about how monumental that is for Bhangra or an Indian dance style to be on like a mainstream stage and have it just be what it is. Like no one's like over explaining it. No one's like trying to be like, okay, and now we're going to do a cultural dance. Like it's just, <laughs> it just is what it is. And I think that's really powerful. Um, and then we go right from that to, you know, a piece called More Than Enough that um, the main characters are kind of like talking to each other about creating a community of belonging and and then you just see like a bunch of college kids on a quad dancing um which is just so american so musical theater i think that's really cool then it goes into a new team a team of people who have never done bhangra before who aren't necessarily even part of the south asian community kind of like learning about this style of bhangra and um embracing it um and then you have the flip side of a group of south asian people dancing in a very like typical musical theater style so it just goes back and forth of like um when you actually dive into it it's like holy crap there is such there is such um purpose to every single piece Mm -hmm. in the show and every single piece in its own way whether it's just putting like a south asian dance style on stage um and having that just speak for itself or having like a bunch of you know South Asian people like doing just like a fully American like musical theater scene that is comedic and interesting not for stereotypical reasons but just because of the content like I don't know every single scene if you break it down is like pretty monumental. I read a publication write about the Katak solo between Mary and her mother mm-hmm. and it was a likened to golden age musical which I thought is interesting because oh. perhaps we weren't trying to mimic 
golden age musical theater. Perhaps it was actually just the traditional form that we were doing. So it's been interesting to see people recognize the culture being opened up to them and recognizing it in in different forms. Mm. Yeah, I I think that's really cool. There are actually a lot of um, like small references that the creative team has put in throughout this. Um, definitely through the dancing, but also like even in the music. Like there is like our one number Kana Kana. It's mm-hmm. very like seventies Bollywood inspired, but it also has like references to like gay camp and references to like the musical references are so fascinating. Yeah. Like throughout the entire show, every single song has its own distinct time period that it takes you back to and I I think like it's really fascinating because in that way we're very tangibly allowing the audience to relate what they're seeing on stage which is completely new and different and unique um, to things that are familiar to them and that they have experienced and that's for really any demographic that walks into this theater like I feel like Some people will know the sound of, like, the 70s music. Some people will know the feel of a Golden Age musical. Some people will know just, like, what Bollywood feels and looks like. Some people know what Bhangra feels and looks like. So I think in that way, uh, the creative team has just done an amazing job of, like, actually making this show pretty universal um, to everyone that walks into the space, which is very difficult to do, but amazing. Absolutely. Now, for your work on this show, I'm interested in hearing how... You've been able to make Shilpa and just the tiger story your own through your own life experiences. Yeah, well, what's so interesting, like I said, is that everyone's character is like fairly close to their identity. We actually created a word internally in the process, um, (laughs) tomato, which uh, essentially is just like a word that we can say if, if the conversation that we're having is close to our identity. So we'll just say this feels very tomato or and it's and it's honestly very helpful because sometimes you don't want to dive into like why this is you know triggering to you or why this like feels similar to you or why you feel a certain type of way about something you can just say tomato and everyone kind of gets it um and it's been really invaluable in the in the um process there's uh so the word tomato actually inspired a song in the show called toledo where uh mary and billy relate to each other through this idea that they don't really feel like they fit into their culture and they feel outside of their culture, but they don't know how to describe it. So they use the word Toledo to verbalize what that feeling is. So anyway, that all came out of the process. But Shulpa and the Tigers, it's it's really interesting because this story at the core is about Mary and her understanding her biracial identity, trying to figure out where she fits into South Asian culture. Um and who her community is and how she feels like she belongs. And so the Tigers are, you know, the group that she leaves slash gets kicked out of. So you don't see us as much. Our, the, the audience's journey goes with Mary and the Wood Ducks because mm-hmm. that's who she's with. Um, so I think part of our process has been really trying to, you know, talk to the creative team about this. This is the first show that we've that we've had to share our perspective. And so we've kind of had to, like, work with them to be like we you know we really do want a bigger semblance of our perspective to come out in this show just because it is really monumental for us as well for example there there are things that like here one very tangible example so 
our the leader of the tigers preeti is um you know ha- is very domineering and can be kind of mean and one day um uh the team asked us, you know, well, Preeti's being so mean to you. Why, why don't you all just quit? And I think they were expecting us to be like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Like, our characters would quit. We should quit. Like, she's being terrible. If there wasn't a cultural context here, like, maybe you would quit if you had, like, a really domineering, like, team captain or something. Yeah. But every single person in like every single actor we went around the circle and every single actor was like I don't think my character would quit because where else do we go like who else do we mm-hmm. turn to this is this is our community and I think it's been um that was so insightful for everyone even for me it was so like I get chills even thinking about it now because there are so many few there's so few spaces where we just get to be ourselves and get to connect with people who are similar to us that it's really special and I think that yeah. that gives so much context to the Tigers and why why they're here. This is, gives so much context to why South Asians in college um, come together and are part of dance teams because it's the first time for a lot of people that they're even able to like be proud of their culture or celebrate their culture or connect with other people who are similar to them. And um, yeah, I think that like very tangibly we've been able to like change arcs of the story or change kind of like the substance behind those characters because of our personal perspectives and the creative team has been really wonderful in like allowing those conversations to happen as well. I know there's been a lot of conversations over the last two years about theater can be a racist space and a lot of systems that exist within that structure continue that harm and so what came out of this pandemic and the recent reckoning of our industry has been the rise of bringing consultants onto, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty much any level of staffing or production. Did that exist on this show? Yeah, we had um, consultants actually in October during our workshop as well as here. Um, And in October, we did a few check-ins. We did one with the cast and one with the company where we talked through. And at that point, it was like a more developmental phase of the, of the, um show and the script and mm-hmm. uh everyone was able to like really like talk through kind of how we were feeling how we felt about the characters how we felt about the process um and very directly like speak up about about the things that were feeling harmful and a lot of those then were able to like directly get resolved in um when we showed up here in January, like from like the feedback on like how to do orientation to the feedback on the script to um, like a, a ton of different elements throughout the process. And then when we've been here three or four sessions with them, which I think without them, it, this this process could have been a lot harder because mm-hmm. um, having that resource of being able to say, you know what, this has been really hard for me or I feel, you know, um, silenced or gaslit or wh- whatever feelings have come up or like this feels unsafe because of X, Y, Z. Um, rather than like having it affect your day-to-day work, you can kind of just like get it off your chest by talking to these people who um, are external, it's anonymous, um, and it just feels like a safe way to speak on the things that have been bothering you so that they don't affect, you know, the rest of the group, they don't affect you in your experience on a day-to-day. Theater is one space where you actually have like time to sit in a process and like um, safety is prioritized and I actually think like, but one of my friends was like, would you, you know, be 
be willing to like bring up these conversations of race and like equity like in other projects that you do and genuinely like on a tv film set like I don't no, like I just I, I literally wouldn't have time like I don't even know who to go to um it's so fragmented in like um my dance like convention world it's it's very hard there too because um just there are not structures in place so I I really appreciate that in theater at least they're like starting to create structures that allow these conversations to happen that being said like it's still very difficult this is all very new I think anytime that you're doing a show with a bunch of like people of color on stage um it's really difficult I know people were talking about that with Hamilton they talk like a lot of a lot of different shows like they can be progressive in their representation but I think there needs to be intentionality behind like you know, everyone on the creative team, everyone on the producing team, like the, the, the more collaborative that experience is, um, the better it will be for everyone. And I think this show definitely has made a lot of progress in that way, but you know, it's an evolving process for, for every production, um, where, you know, we just need to keep having these conversations. Yeah. And I think it also like kind of goes down to what responsibility the individual takes, you know, as, that person in power or like someone who is a choreographer, someone who's a director. I think there's such like a funny and brief moment in the first act where Sunita's trying to find like a little Asian group for Mary to fit into. And she's like, oh, how about the K-pop group? And Mary's like, no, that's Asian, but it's not Daisy. I, I wonder, have you been able to apply like any certain philosophies or non-negotiables like that, especially in such an, a very demanding industry? Oh, definitely. I think so. So outside of dance, I, I'm just very passionate about um, obviously representation in in the arts. But the way that I think we need to do that is through stability like obviously change happens on screen and on stage but I think like if you go down to the very base level like who gets to even take the risk to be an artist like I think that is something no one talks about enough (laughs) um but even just this week I was I was um with family and family friends and a lot of people asked me actually this one um older woman asked me um she was she was talking to me for like 20 minutes and she was like you know what my grandson um wants to be a musician and he went to UPenn that's where I went and it's like Ivy League a lot of people go into like consulting and banking and uh she was like he's so smart like I'm just nervous that he is not gonna be stable he's not gonna make money he's not gonna get to he's not gonna make it and I think that those ideas of like stability and security are like we just don't talk about them enough in this industry of like that's really difficult and a lot of people like just can't afford to take the risk to to be in this space so I think at the core of it like that's something I really believe in outside of this space like I've, I've really tried to build that like security blanket and that support system financially for myself um to making sure I have enough money making sure I like have skills to like support myself so that I'm not operating in like a scarcity mindset Mm -hmm. when I'm in spaces like this um because I think a lot of people put up with things in this industry that they shouldn't because they they are scared that they're going to be replaced they're scared that um they're not going to get another job they're scared of being unemployed they're scared of having bad blood with people and I just like I really don't operate that way because I'm like you know what I 
want to be in spaces where I'm going to feel valued. I'm going to feel respected. I'm going to feel like I can speak up for myself as, as a person of color, as a South Asian woman, because it's not worth it to me if, if I'm not respected because I know I'm not going to be happy. And I don't think this career is worth it if you're not happy in like what like we're doing this because we love what we do. Right. So I think like not operating from a scarcity mindset is like at the core of my beliefs in this industry. And so that allows me to like be a little bit choosy about, about what projects I am a part of. And it it actually, like I, if if someone's going to be racist towards me, I will leave. Like, like I, and I have done that for dance competitions, for conventions where people like have have been straight up racist either to other people or to me or there have been you know weird things that have happened like I I will just not do that job anymore and I think like I would really like encourage anyone who's an artist to to think about that because it's not it's genuinely not worth it and there are enough spaces that will value you and be respectful to you that you don't have to like put up with abuse or bullying or racism um so I think that to me is like one of my like core fundamental beliefs in this industry and people will follow you in that same way i know we uh, we talk about how theater audiences are predominantly white or are mostly from a rich upper middle class Mm -hmm. so it's really really amazing to hear bilal sing the first line of the show being all my daisies in the house like get up it my the first time i heard that my jaw literally dropped and like oh. i was like about to cry and it's such an overwhelming moment yeah. how is it for you to like open up the lid from this months long process to actually speak directly to south asians every single night and vice versa have them engage with you on stage yeah that made me emotional thinking about that i hadn't thought about that um yeah. i i very similarly like I did not know that theater was a thing I I, like I said I grew up like a dance studio competition kid um so I danced my whole life since I was five and I also did Indian dance um but I just never when I thought of being like a professional dancer I thought about so you think you can dance or I thought about like high school musical I I never thought about theater but it's because I didn't really see it that much like I was in Pittsburgh some tours would come in I think I maybe saw like the Lion King or something but I remember going to New York when Bombay Dreams came out Mm -hmm. and the lead was this guy from Pittsburgh and he his like mom is like an auntie at like in our community like that I that I I'm so close to and I just I remember for the first time being like oh my gosh I could I could do that like (laughs) what's Broadway that's so crazy like I just genuinely didn't know and I think like I I think back to that and that was 20 years ago and they're actually the whole cast wasn't even like the South Asian characters weren't even South Asian um because there were just right yeah Yeah. racially ambiguous (laughs) and um and I but that made such an impact on me as a child. And I just think about, like, the people in the audience now. There are there are so many elements of representation that are, like, unspoken. Like, uh, Jesse Gobin's character wearing mm-hmm. a pug. And, and, like, when have you ever seen, like, someone in a pug on stage? Um, which is the sicker Punjabi, like, head uh, dressing. And... I, like it's just I think that that's like so special there's a hijabi character there there are like all of these um people that that young South Asian people young people of color can see on stage that a girl that I, I'm not actually even 
close with but we we kind of connected on social media and she heard about this show she was like i'm coming she drove down from la um by herself and she was like i uh watched the mega mix at the end with like um deep playing the dole and she was like i just genuinely started sobbing because i was like oh my gosh there was like a dole being played on stage and all of these people of every different race in the audience are like cheering and celebrating and it just felt so like special to her um i think there are so many moments like that in the show where it's like not only does this speak to south asian people in the audience it speaks to like so many different races and they're all able to like appreciate this culture um and appreciate something that's like new for them um and i think that's really really special and beautiful a lot of the cast as they do represent a young college-aged group are of that same age Mm -hmm. a lot of them are still in school a lot of them are making their professional debuts Mm -hmm. like you said everyone is still functioning with um day jobs Mm -hmm. what can you say being in it is bringing to the industry in terms of opening up uh more opportunities for people of many many different backgrounds yeah totally um uh two people who are actually not doing this version of this show but um two of my friends Cheech and Nikhil they we met five years ago and I never got to work with them in any capacity just because I came into the space and I was like oh my gosh this is so crazy like we've like followed each other's careers for five years and like finally we get to like show up here together um but I feel like I know like so many of the South Asian creatives in New York because there's so few of us. Like, dancers specifically, there are four. There are literally four that I'm friends with in New York and maybe, like, a few in L.A. who are, like, in the mainstream dance industry, which is insane to me. And I think we were having these conversations at the at the top of, like, a lot of people in this space not being traditional theater people. And mm-hmm. um, I just, like, I, I, I really, like, push back on that of, like, this idea of like non-traditional theater people because like what is a traditional theater person um theater has has existed for like generations and has not included so many demographics in this country and so all of these people yeah like people are making their their professional debuts in theater but they all have been you know cultivating their art uh and working in different spaces for so many years like you know, we have models and actors and um, producers and uh, people who are in the industry in so many different ways. And I think like when I think about this cast, I think of how just absolutely amazing it is that everyone has been able to cultivate their careers so much to be able to be in this space um, without ha- quote unquote being traditional theater people because I just can't emphasize enough how hard it's been for every single person to make a path in this industry that has no one that looks like them, that has no real support for them, no real understanding for them or their experience or their journey. And so for them to have like created these robust careers in all paths of the industry and also be able to sing and dance and act and dance in like six different styles, it's amazing. Like it's truly, truly amazing. And I think that like, I'm just I'm just like really over the idea of like you can't find people or there's like not enough people to 
fill this type of story or whatever because because if you look there are and yeah maybe they aren't necessarily like like equity theater artists Mm. but they exist and if you create space and create the right environment to like be able to give that make this a safe space for them like they will shine and they will thrive like I even think about like Bilal and Ariane they're they're uh they both left Tish to do this um and they're not like dancers by training they're amazing actors and singers they're not dancers by training and just like they got thrown so much choreography like they just have to dance so much throughout the show and I got to like swing out and watch a few days ago and I was just like oh my god they're so amazing like they they just like really worked so hard to like teach themselves how to do this and like take all the notes and practice and work so hard to be able to like deliver at the caliber that this show required and I just I'm like genuinely blown away and so um yeah I just everyone in this cast is amazing I think that it's like a really important thing to continue doing in theater I think it's amazing that everyone brings in such different dance backgrounds like I know Ame actually is a bonga dancer Mm -hmm. some people are Bollywood teachers and some people are you know they do the traditional musical theater dance tap style what was it like to unite everyone in such a small I don't know a five-week period to teach them competitive bhangra dance yeah it's it's pretty wild um I mean even for me like my dance background is like jazz contemporary ballet tap and and then classical Indian dance, but it's a classical Indian dance that we don't do in the show. Um, and then like Bollywood and Bhangra and Kathak, all of those I kind of learned um, like on the side or like through my community, like we would do it for Diwali or for festivals. <laughs> um, and there was like a Bhangra team in my town that was that was really, really good. And so I kind of learned in all these different ways. And I think what's really like cool about these dance styles is that they are very accessible to people and um they take a lot of like dedication and training um but they are how they've been transferred to america has very much been community based and because all these styles are so different and there's no way that one person can be an expert on all of them period point blank like there's there's just no possible way um and so it's really been like deferring to to the experts in the room and deferring to the people with experience in the room to be like okay we're gonna we're gonna you know follow how they do it because we want it to be authentic and we want it to look how it's supposed to and we want to respect it for what it is and I think um that is like a really um important has been a really important part of our process you have such a big responsibility now that the team has kind of left for the run the show is locked now and you're kind of charged with keeping the numbers in shape are there certain things that you prioritize when working as dance captain especially when you have to work with all these different kinds of dance styles yeah um yeah I think dance captain for the show is like quite challenging because with with cleaning it also can't lose like the authenticity of the movement and I think that's something I talked to Rouge about um and she was like yeah you know the Bollywood is starting to look like hip-hop or it's starting to look like cookie cutter rather than having that like stylistic flair and I actually uh my very first job was this like big Bollywood show um and it had people of all different backgrounds and we did we did truly 
like 15 styles of Indian dance from like all over India. It was nuts. Like there's no way anyone could be an expert in all of those styles. Um, but in that show, we so we, we were so focused on making sure every single style did represent like the the culture that it came from um, and that it didn't get watered down into just like cleanliness. So I think that's similar in this show where like we want everything to look clean and unified, but the but the authenticity of the movement is still really integral and really important. So um, just focusing on and I, I I'm lucky that I have enough of a vocabulary in each of these styles that um, I'm able to kind of at least like know what they look like and explain how to make it look how it's supposed to. Um, and I and I did the work I think during the process of like talking to Anushka and talking to Ru- and like making sure that like how I was. Uh, learning it was the way that they wanted it in terms of like I literally was like Anushka can you please fix like make sure my legs look exactly perfect and the angles and everything so that then like when I look at it and I see that people are off I'm not like telling them to clean it to like some cookie cutter that then doesn't end up even looking like Bhangra like they like we want it to still preserve that authenticity and so um yeah, it's, it's definitely, like, a difficult balance because there's so much to juggle in this show. Um, but everyone's doing a really good job and I think is very, like, respectful of, like, wanting to preserve that integrity. Um, and that being said, I think the audience also, like, in people, with people that I've talked to, I think a lot of audiences do understand that, you know, we have to sing and act and then dance in all of these different styles. Like, not everything's going to be perfect all the time and that's okay um as long as it's not like completely outrageous and um that that there is like you can tell that there was this like thought of authenticity and preserving it uh behind it and um I think when I've talked to friends who have come and they've they've said that uh it does look authentic and that it does you know like that everything is true to form like th- that means a lot to me because I'm like okay good like I I, I don't want I don't want it to get diluted um any like tv show or movie that's come out that has representation there's always there are always articles about how like this doesn't represent me or or it excludes me or this storyline is like not accurate or there are stereotypes and tropes or um and that is okay too like it's okay for that those comments and feedback to exist because that pushes the bar on what is created next for example never have i ever mindy kaling's show um monumental um in what it did and I personally I felt like uh pretty seen by it because it's like a South Indian family it's like there were a lot of things there are a lot of things I could relate to there were also a lot of things that were different from me and my upbringing um but my between you and Davey between yeah yeah. um but uh my my aunt is actually an actor and she plays the mom in that show um and she is like I was talking to her about it and she was saying from season one to season two, all of the feedback that did come out about, um, for example, there being like a lack of like Muslim representation um, uh, around like where do different races and ethnicities ethnicities like fit into this um, about like the Black Lives Matter movement happening like right after season one came out. All of those things, very tangibly, it got, like, written into season two. So there is a whole storyline about, um, like, a Hindu and Muslim family. Just, like, it's not a thing. They just, like, come together and um, find support in one another. There is, like, a love interest with um, 
common who who is a black man and it's like this black and south asian love interest or love story which is uh, those comments like do really help push the story forward and i think that like similarly any like feedback or pushback that this show gets i think will only improve what it is and so i think like i've started operating less out of fear of like what people are gonna think and more of like you know we, we this has come a long way and it's amazing and it's really beautiful and so monumental in so many ways um and there are always going to be areas of improvement there's always going to be space to grow and either people in the cast will say that either the writers will see that themselves either the creative team will see that themselves mm-hmm. what whatever um or, or audiences will say that and share that and i think that um it'll just continue to make it grow. And art is never stagnant and someone needs to do it. We can't be mad at everything. So (laughs) that's my thought. I know accessibility is something that you were also working towards with your business arts work. So can you tell us about what that is? Yeah. So arts work is a professional network for artists. Um, It's actually turning into more of an artist marketplace. So it's a way for artists to make income consistently. And the idea is that the starving artist stigma just shouldn't be a thing. The goal of the company is to break the starving artist stigma because Mm -hmm. my co-founder and I both fundamentally believe that you do not need to be poor to be an artist. Like like, (laughs) if you're an artist, you should be able to make the same amount of money as your peers. You should be able to have health insurance you should be able to have Mm -hmm. consistent and predictable income you should be able to feel secure and stable and like you have a safety net um so the goal of the platform is really like any other any other marketplace site like airbnb or uber or upwork or fiverr where you as an artist can be on there you can offer services and people will hire you for those services and those can either be you know um directly related to your craft like being a voice teacher or a dance educator or being a dancer or a model um for a project um or it can be something adjacent to that like coaching or whatever and uh the goal is just for people to be able to monetize and it goes back to something i said earlier of like i just fundamentally believe that people shouldn't operate in a scarcity mindset and so much of my personal journey in this industry like i i uh, like I said, I left Penn. All of my friends made like six-figure salaries out of college, which was psycho, psycho. And I, I was like, mm, okay. Um, and I would like go to like, uh, I would make money off of flash mobs and babysitting. And I did um, research studies at like NYU where I would get like shocked to like make like 30 bucks an hour or something. Like yeah. just like the classic things that we do as artists. But I, I just think there is a world in which... Um, we can be connected to work and income um, that that is consistent and like mm-hmm. um, I freelance in in like marketing and UX design and and things outside of this space that have given me so much consistency and stability that I'm able to pursue my art more happily and more freely because I have that like financial security. So um, that's really what the company is about and. Um, and at the root of it, it's for me, it's really because I want more people who don't get to be in this industry to have a fighting chance of being in this industry because, you know, it kills me to to think that, like, you know, if, if you have to, like, 
pay off loans or pay off your parents' mortgage or do any of these like just normal life things, it's going to be really hard to take the financial risk to to be an artist, just mm-hmm. period. Like um, it'll just take extra time and extra money to be able to to be able to like support and pay off all of these like life things that you need to pay off while also, you know, showing up to auditions where you don't make any money, showing up mm-hmm. to classes where you don't make any money, um, self-tapes, self-tapes, all of this stuff that I, actually you're spending money to do. So mm-hmm. um, I just like so fundamentally believe in like financial security for artists. Um, and I think that if there's a platform that allows people to make money um, consistently, then more people will get to go into the arts. There there will be more stories that are created. There will be better art that's created. There will be representation at every single level of this industry. And I think that's like, um, yeah, this is one of the ways that that can change. We're also now existing in a world where we're moving away from unpaid internships and non-compensated or maybe undercompensated work for a lot of the young emerging professionals. Mm -hmm. And I think it's still hard for young emerging professionals to still pick and choose because we do operate off the scarcity, you know, concept. How would you say, or what kind of advice would you recommend for these new, newer emerging artists, emerging, whatever that means, Mm -hmm. right? To pick and choose what work they should take, whether it's undercompensated, whether maybe it's a stipend. Do you still see, how do you find value in mm-hmm. those jobs still? Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few things that people have told me across my career. One, I think that um, an actor told me literally my first month of being an artist. She was like, um, she was like, I am able to make like over six figures as with this like part-time job. She designs websites and she, she was like, I built this up for myself because I knew that I needed this like security blanket. So I, I would honestly encourage people to figure out like what skills they have that they just enjoy doing anyway. And there's so many skills in this day and age that are like so monetizable from like social media to creating content to to designing websites to email marketing like there are so many things that we do as artists anyway just in the hustle of being artists that you can just like do for someone else who's gonna who's gonna pay you and it can be remote and flexible and it doesn't make you any less of an artist it actually makes you like have security so that you can be a better artist I personally believe um and so I think when you do that then you look at an unpaid internship or you look at an um underpaid opportunity and you can think okay what are my personal criteria of how I'm going to navigate this this job and is it uh fulfilling to like a career goal or something that I want to work towards is it fulfilling like a connection goal that I have like do I really want to meet these people and um be in the room with these people um is it um meeting like a happiness goal that I have like is it going to make me feel fulfilled and happy and excited about um the work that I'm doing and I think that like um if you take kind of like the financial stability and and figure out a way to cultivate that um so that so that you can be able to make those decisions based on like what you're looking to get out of a job or opportunity it helps making it helps that decision making even better Uh, that's at least my approach I also in addition though think that we do need to move away from unpaid labor like anyone Mm -hmm. I know that the arts are underfunded which 
is a whole other issue. But like, I don't think there should be any uncompensated, uncompensated labor. If you are working in this country, you should be making at least minimum wage period point blank. Like, and there's so I've, I've done shows where you make $300 a week. And when you count all of those hours, it's like post taxes. You're just like, really? It's a It's like actually like offensive and it's not, it's not even any semblance of minimum wage. You know what I mean? And so, um, I think, both things. I think as an artist right now, you can, you can figure out financial safety nets that, that, um, can support you in what you're doing. But at the end of the day, like the entire industry needs to go through this shift of like compensating people properly because it's just, it's just like not even a little bit. It's very, very unforgiving. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So as hard as we've all been taking the pandemic with other people stepping away from the performance industry, how do you continue to stay inspired to make arts work continue to serve artists that are just trying to to make art? Yeah, I, I think that um, so artwork actually was inspired by the pandemic because we just mm-hmm. saw it was like 90 percent or something of people lost their jobs and lost income. And it was that's insane. Like it, Every single person from your, like, biggest Broadway stars to um, someone just out of college, like, no one was working. And that, to me, is just, like, unacceptable. It's, like, unacceptable that every single other industry got to pivot so easily and so quickly. And people, like, didn't really even skip a beat. Um, And so I think that um, to me and to Nick, my co-founder, it was just a big... Um, flag of like, you know, it's been this way for a long time. It's been the starving artist idea has been around for a really long time. And now it's just so visible. So it actually inspired us more um, as we were talking to people in our community who were like, honestly, like, I'm not going to quit being an artist because this is who I am. Like it just felt every single person was like, this is a hard point and I'll pivot for a little bit. But I'm going to get back to being an artist ASAP. And it just shows you like how much people love this and everyone does it because they love it. And Mm -hmm. um, no matter how hard it gets, like we do it because we love it and because we have the skill set and the passion and the drive to want to create art in this world. And so like for me, it's actually it's more about like because we know that people will want to be artists, like why don't we help them do that? more consistently and easier and take away some of the like fear and the financial burden and the and the scariness of being knowing when you're going to be able to pay rent next or knowing um you know if you can afford healthcare and like um if if we can solve for some of that stuff then like they can just pursue their art more freely so so rather than thinking about like while a lot of people have pivoted away I think that that they've only pivoted away because it is so unforgiving and this space is really hard and I think that like it just I think motivated us to want to make it easier all that more if that makes sense yeah I think there's also like a new kind of trend not trend there's a new culture of pay transparency and Mm -hmm. like now you're kind of in the forefront of seeing what the wages are in comparison from commercial I guess areas and nonprofit worlds like theater Mm -hmm. what can you say between the pay disparities like is there are there big jumps that we should be aware of i think rate transparency is 
there is absolutely none of it in this industry and it's <laughs> it's crazy um so so one of the first things we've been doing very recently is like matching like um dance educators to work for example mm-hmm. and this is like a massive it's like a million multi-million dollar market just just dance studios and educators in this country um and they there is just like no none at all no transparency on like how much people should be making how much people can make it's it can range from like three to five hundred dollars an hour to like twenty dollars an hour truly and it's pretty arbitrary and it's really just like the people who know to ask for more Mm -hmm. um ask for more and then that negotiation happens so what what I've really enjoyed being able to do is have truly a list of like people people we have anonymous data of like what people's like um rates are and then we also have data of like what people are hiring for and it's and it's and it's just really interesting because there there are people who be like oh yeah for a master class like I would charge like $50 an hour and the studio will pay them 150 and so we can kind of like be like no actually you can make like a hundred dollars more here and I so I think the more that people talk about this stuff the more that like you can be paid what you're worth because you know in in some in some spaces it's not going to be that in some spaces you just truly will be underpaid um but I think with with um you know all of the like unions starting to be a little bit more transparent about pay um it's just we have standards for a reason and if those standards aren't being met then um we should talk about it internally and we should talk about it um externally as as well and say that like this compensation is unfair i know for dancers there is um, a group called dancer alliance um where uh they have standardized dancer rates now for everything which is so great so like they have a day rate for choreography for if it's a tv show if it's sag if it's um a music video like no matter what the what the designated um rate is non-union union like they have all of these written out so um recently i actually i got asked to um choreograph a music video and they were like what would your what would your rate be for you and like three dancers? And I, I honestly didn't know, but I just looked at Dancers Alliance and I copied and pasted and I sent it to them um, because other I and I wouldn't I wouldn't have uh, probably said the same amount as what they said as the standard. Like I would have underballed myself, uh, lowballed myself, and so um, I think having rate transparency and having all of these standards in place across the industry is really critical um, for people to be able to get paid what they're worth and for our rates to continue to be equitable and yeah. um uh yeah if you're getting paid like a hundred bucks for like a for like a big project like no we shouldn't be able to do that and you should also like have the autonomy to say to say no to things like that and I've been really proud of some people in this cast of for upcoming projects like um there's a show that a few people, you know, were almost going to be a part of, but the stipend was just like much lower than what they deserve. And um, they were like, you know what? You're right. I'm not going to do this. And I'm so proud of them for doing that and saying no to that because um, I know that comes from a place of like security and privilege sometimes. Uh, but I want everyone to have that security so that they can say no and so that they can um, work for what they're worth and not below that. 
in like every single setting so what do you hope to do moving forward not just for being in it but in your in your career do you hope to circle back into the theater world more do you want to do more in dance what's coming up yeah I've been been thinking about this a lot I I do really love theater and um I have been I've been working in theater for the for the past five years but I I am really grateful that like and I always dance will always be like my vehicle in into whatever work that I do and wherever that work ends up being um for me specifically, I'd love to move into, um, and I have in the commercial world more, uh, moved into choreography, but I just, I love creating and I love being able to, um, like share more and tell stories more. And so I think like that is where I would like to head, um, creatively, um, both choreography, creative direction, um, just being involved in that process of storytelling, um, I would love to work for like conventions and competitions more. There are all these like people that I saw growing up when I went to these big dance conventions that and I never and I never saw brown people and I just I like get to do that now and I just want to do more of it because I know how impactful that would have been for me as a child. And I also want to continue working on arts work more because I think, like I said, change in this industry happens in so many different ways. It happens on stage. It happens on screen. But for me personally, identifying this idea of security feels like a way that I can contribute to the idea of representation and equity in in the arts, and um, I want to continue supporting it in that way. So, in all of these ways, I think that I think that we will. Um, I, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for the future. I'm also very excited for the future of banging it. Like it. it is awesome it's like such a beautiful show and um our producers and our creative team every single person around it is has been really wonderful and I think it's definitely like on a great path to success because of the support and the time and the intentionality that's been put into it so I'm really looking forward to what happens with it I so appreciate the way that you are preaching self-advocacy with arts work and how uh this idea of, I guess, advocating for yourself exists at any union level, whether mm-hmm. you're within a representation management agency, if you're non-union, it, you should have that sense of, of, of a business mind, no matter where you are. So I super appreciate that. I really hope that Artsroom continues to grow. So I want you to plug all the socials that you want. Oh, thanks. Um, well, the website is artswork.com. It's A-R-T-S and then W-R-K because we're edgy. Um, <laughs> and then Instagram is artsworkofficial. And we're artsworkofficial on TikTok also. We don't really use TikTok yet, but... But you do. Okay, so what are your personal personal handles? Oh, my personal search. Um, Ramitha.Ravi on Instagram and also on TikTok, I believe. It's just my first name and last name. No one has my name. You'll find it. (laughs) Thank you so, so, so much for having this conversation with me. This was so cool. I love it. Thank you. Banging it is, we're still performing for two more weeks. So you have time to catch the show and say hi to Rams after. Yes, please do. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye. We're a completely crowdfunded podcast. We're a community of BIPOC critics, journalists, and friends who love the performing arts so much that we do a weekly podcast and web series. We encourage you to join our friend zone on Patreon, where you can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month. 
Thanks, and see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.